Babe. Yeah. Would you say this is a deluxe podcast? Yeah, I would say so. Are we a gourmet listening experience? Oh, yes. Uh, just like all the other great podcasts, we now have a sponsor. <gasps> Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Taction USA. Go to www.tactionusa.com. That's T A C T I O N U S A.com for all your forensic supplies. Yes. Uh, give us a rundown of Taction and some of their products. Okay. Well, first off, Taction is owned and operated by active law enforcement, so they know what they're doing. And they provide some forensic supplies, um, some with evidence collection, some tools for processing crime scenes, and I'd say it's probably the best of any product I've ever used. It's made very, very well with a lot of thought. High quality stuff. High quality at a low price. And I've used some of their products myself, even on scenes. Uh, you're our resident evidence expert. <laughs> Is rain good for evidence? No, not at all. <laughs> Probably not. And it's definitely not good for an old-fashioned plain paper crime scene log. No. It'll be ruined. So that's why you got to go to Taction USA and get a book of their crime scene logs. That's 50 waterproof pages with all the information you need to keep good records of who's coming and going from your scenes. Good. And I can tell you from experience, when they say waterproof, they mean it. So, see, I'm standing at a, a stabbing scene, right? Mm-hmm. And we're waiting on the detectives to come do all the grown-up work for us. <laughs> and it starts raining. So I'm soaked. The scene's soaked. Evidence is probably all right. But my crime scene log was resilient. Good. It's perfectly dry, legible, the ink's not smearing. You can get yours from Taction USA. All of their products are available on Amazon. Nice and easy shipping and everything. Fast, too. Very yes. fast. Yeah, comes quick. So now, speaking of crime scene logs, please sign in and join us for today's story. Welcome to Crossing the Tape, a true crime podcast hosted by myself, Hillary, and my husband, Brendan. Today's episode is a little bit different. Um, we usually talk about murder and gory things, <laughs> but today's episode is different and we found a good old heist to tell you about. Something fun. Something a little more fun, fun quote unquote. Nobody dies. I know. That's it's amazing. not our style. No. It's not our, at least my, not my line of work. I'm a cold case investigator. So this is something new. I don't really deal with heists. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never had the pleasure myself. Um, so when I was doing research on this, I kept coming across every time someone steals a large amount of money, it tends to be called a robbery in the right. headlines. But that's not always accurate. Okay. Do you know the difference between robbery and just straight up theft or larceny? Mm, robbery, robbery usually deals with armed, correct? Armed or there's a threat or a use of force. Okay. So if you set your purse down, turn away, look back, and it's gone, you weren't robbed. No. Your was... purse was stolen. Right. But if someone holds you at knife point or threatens to beat you up if you don't give them your purse, mm -hmm. that's robbery. Okay. So when someone's, you know, subdued and duct tape and 
forced to give up the safe combination and the at the bank that's a bank robbery mm-hmm. but if someone just happens to come across hundreds of thousands of dollars that aren't theirs and swipe it before anyone sees that's not a robbery okay so i just want to clarify for the people if there's force involved or a threat of force then you've been robbed so what is the definition of a heist uh a good movie premise, really. <laughs> I I guess a heist usually denotes Planning? probably multiple people, premeditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that we uh, we're all on the same legal terms, when thieves want to pull a big score, they're gonna go where the money is, right? Mm-hmm. And that generally means a bank, right? But that rarely works out, mm-hmm. and oftentimes you get a die pack to the face. Right. <laughs> um, and so other places they might find loads of money, casinos. Mm-hmm. What we've seen in the uh, Oceans movies, those places are usually more sealed up than Fort Knox. Right. And nobody's getting out of there with anything more than a few pennies they took from Right. You get in, you might not get out. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the joint, <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> you made it to the vault. Now it's a tomb. Mm-hmm. But if you can't get into the vaults, then the next most viable option you're going to go after the money as it's coming and going from the casinos or the banks. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Los Angeles, February of two thousand one, a masked gunman ambushed a Sectren armored truck guard. His partner was sitting in the truck. He went inside the store to pick up the cash. As he came out, guys, some maniac starts shooting at him. The guard drops the money, takes cover in the store. The gunman grabbed a bag of cash, hopped in a getaway car with his friends, and the value of the money was unknown. No one was injured, but they got something. But in that instance, wouldn't, wouldn't the guy in the back of that truck come out? I mean, they always have somebody in the back with right. a rifle. Yeah, there's usually someone extra heavily armed in the back. There's a driver, and then there's like mm. the bag man, the guy that goes in, gets the cash. And then there's a guy waiting in the back just in case. Right. Yeah, you would think, but you know, he may not have... It might have happened very quickly. Well, yeah, and if he threw the door open, he's going to be immediately taking rounds. True. And that would also expose all the other money. Yeah, that's true too. So if he gets shot, now they got everything. Yeah. And I'm sure the driver didn't want to leave the other guy behind and take off, but he also didn't want to jump out and be in the middle of a gunfight himself, Mm -hmm. I assume. Uh, More recently, San Antonio, Texas, December of 22, several armed men enter a Garda armored truck and hold the driver at gunpoint while the partner was i guess picking up from the store they make him drive to a nearby neighborhood open up the back i guess there was no rifleman in this one Hmm. they snagged a considerable amount of money pistol whipped the driver and took off in the car so these all feel a little bit more haphazard yeah he's speaking of haphazard dig this one just a few days ago on january 6th of this very year in New York City, two guys approach a Brinks truck driver who is loading money into the armored van. Okay. And they say, hey, uh, 
how do you get to so-and-so? And as the guy's trying to give him directions, he ends up putting down on the bumper of the car the bag of money, which is ill-advised. Well, yeah. Because then the two guys' friend, the third guy, snagged the bag of money, and mm-hmm. they all split. And it contained $300,000 just in that one bag. Seems like you would lock that money up and then give them directions. Or tell them, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not from here. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> me alone. I got hands full. That's I got $300,000 in a bag. I don't have time to That's talk. That's true. That's probably the best way. I got no business with you people. Sorry. Good luck. That guy over there is selling maps, and then you hop in the car and yeah. get lost. So Try he, Google. he made the mistake of setting the bag down. Yeah. And that's exactly what they wanted. That was just a crime of opportunity. That wasn't... Oh, yeah. Wasn't planned. Right. So all three of those were some somewhat lucrative, but the most lucrative cash robbery in U.S. history didn't involve an armored car, but the whole armored car depot. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Dunbar Armored? I have, just from my research. <laughs> See, I hadn't either, but I, they're a company similar to, like, Brinks, Brinks. Garda. Yeah. Um... They specialize in cash management, storage, transportation, using armored cars, of course. So when banks don't want to have the risk of having zillions and squillions of dollars in their vault. They use that right, they company. Have this company come pick it up. They store it in their vault where there's, they've got armed guards 24-7, so many security clearances, cameras everywhere, so that nobody can get it into the cash. And then when the bank needs money Mm -hmm. they have the company bring their money back to them right Uh, but also regular you know mom and pop grocery stores high-end stores malls all that they'll all use this company for the same reason and they also store uh, like money that's headed for ATMs Hmm. so they'll get brand new fresh sequentially numbered bills right and then go load up the ATM machines so they're a cash management security company. Hmm. Well, L.A., not Louisiana. Okay. L.A. L.A., L.A. Yeah, Los LA. Angeles. <laughs> In 1997, there's a fella <clears throat> with the regal name of Alan Pace III. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you put the third in there. I was yeah. going to remind you. Yeah, he's, he is of the third. Yeah, he's not a junior. <laughs> he's, this is a generational man. Yes. Uh-huh. Alan Pace III. He was the regional safety inspector for uh, the Dunbar Armored Facility in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, his, he'd worked there about a year and a half, and he came to realize his position was kind of unique because it gave him insight into all the security measures, mm-hmm. the employee schedules, their habits, the layout of the facility, and knowledge of where and exactly how the money was kept. Probably a schedule of all that. Intake, outtake. Yeah, and his job was, you know, safety inspection, so he could go wherever he needed to. Mm -hmm. Everything from making sure, like, cameras were operating, make sure the fire extinguishers were working right. So he had the run of the place and knew everybody there and... Basically, the blueprints in his hands for the whole shebang. And he figured with the right preparation, he could probably make off with a pretty unbelievable amount of money 
and never be caught. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing it alone, uh, he reached out to his few childhood friends. Do you have the names of these characters? I believe so. So, among his childhood friends were Eric Damon Boyd, Eugene Lamar Hill Jr., Freddie McCrary Jr. Is it McCrary? I, I think, think so. so, yeah. McCrary. Um, Terry Wayne Brown Sr. Ah. And Thomas Lee Johnson. They sound like movie names. They do. <laughs> Tommy Lee. <laughs> Juniors and seniors in there. And the Ooh, third. We've got the third. We've got these guys. Those poor guys that don't have a title at the end, man. <laughs> the guys that were just named because... <laughs> You don't get Grandpa's name. You're a disgrace. <laughs> well, they all—they were childhood friends, but they all worked as bouncers at different clubs around L.A. Um, so they were used to working as a team and trusted each other, and they all had some knowledge of firearms. Right. They um, were—they carried them as bouncers, correct? Uh, I don't know if they were like, or allowed armed to. Security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they may might, have. They might have. Nobody knew. Um, but they all had some experience with firearms, with firearms and knew how to impose their will. I imagine they were all bigger guys if they're bouncing at L.A. clubs. Yeah, I'd imagine. Because you're going to deal with all manner of gangsters, bikers, uh, rich women. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous. <laughs> so they're probably big guys. Yeah, but and they all had, uh, save for one dude, they were all totally free of a criminal history. And even Pace himself. Right. So this guy who's never gotten into any trouble decides, like, eh, we could just do a, an incredibly serious... Right, serious... Major felony heist. And nobody would know. Right. And just to backtrack, <laughs> the one guy that had the criminal record, I couldn't find anything about what it was that was on his record. Could you... I no, I couldn't find exactly what his issue was, but I think it was something firearms related. Probably. Because we'll find out later that the trouble he gets in is, is a worse bit different. because it involved a gun and he had a criminal right. past. So for a number of months, Pace and his boys meticulously planned out how they're gonna enter the building, make their way to the vault, get past the guards, and get like a literal truckload of cash. <clears throat> and they pull out every movie heist <laughs> trope that you could imagine. So they had the ski masks, radios, they used code names, they had guns. And I didn't know about the code names. Yes. Yeah, they referred to each other by numbers. Oh, okay. So instead of, like, hey, Alan, move up. And right. Have somebody here. Okay. I, he, I believe he was number one. Okay. And then... They went oh. down the line. So one, move Creative. up, two, over here, three, holding, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, blueprints, everything except George Clooney that you need for a <laughs> heist. And these are, by all accounts, just some guys. Right. They're not like international jewel thieves that decided to hit this one place. They're just some guys that They're live in L.A. some dudes who figured, you know, if we think about this hard enough, we could probably do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could probably do something that nobody else would even try. If we're just careful about it. And they were. Yeah. For the most part. Yes. Uh, So Pace used that job as the safety inspector to photograph the facility and even, like, employees and security Mm -hmm. guards under the guise, well, just 
you know, doing my rounds, making sure everything's safe, so I gotta photograph you, so I know who's here. <laughs> I think I'd question that. I would I think mean, it's don't, weird. Don't you like, think well, that you know, like he is the safety. Ins- he's actually the safety inspector supervisor. I was gonna say he was a, like a manager. Yeah. So. But well, if he needs, still, you know, he, he but knows his job. Why can't you just see my badge? I mean, why didn't you take <laughs> my <know>. picture? <laughs> but hey, he he knows what he's doing. He's in charge of the safety. I don't know. That would give me pause. I'm just the guy loading cash into this truck. It'd he's give the me guy. pause, but then I would it'd go no, no further. Like yeah, that's kind of like, strange. That's strange. I wonder. Oh, if, well. I wonder if corporate has a it's new an, policy. Right. That's yeah. exactly what I think. And new if policy. I was him, that's exactly what I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. Corporate. They want to make sure that everybody's badge right. matches whatever. Just some BS. Uh, and nobody ever suspected him of anything because he was a, just a funny, relaxed guy. He played yeah. pranks at work. They all said he was very, he was fun, like you said, he was funny yeah, and he was cool. he was pleasant to be around is yeah. what people said. It's just, oh, hey, there's Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he took those photos, distributed them to his guys so they knew where the cameras were, where they needed to be careful, and exactly who, you know, which guards which people to look out for. It's like, well, if you see this guy, he's armed. we got to mm-hmm. get him immediately. That lady, she's the secretary. Probably don't need to bash her over the head. She's going <laughs> to do what we say if you point a gun at her. You know, it wasn't a violent heist, though. No, they were everything, like, I guess if you're gonna, <laughs> this is kind of the way to do it. They didn't shoot anybody. Right. Nobody was beaten, still, strangled, yeah. or anything. They it's didn't not a wise to, thing to do, but no, they I did still it. discourage it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but if millions of dollars are going to be stolen, I would rather it be without any bloodshed. Well, true. They they had a plan in place without yeah. violence. Still, don't do it. No. Don't think about it. Don't plan it. It's but not worth it. I would rather money be stolen than people be murdered. True. If I had to choose one. Right. Uh, so he actually... There was, all right, so there's a camera in while he's doing his rounds. Oh, just yeah. pretending, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just... Regular inspections. Inspector Allen, the third. Yeah. Well, he's so safety <laughs> conscious, he tells one of the other employees, hey, man, I know you just bought a new truck, right? The guy's really proud of his brand new car. He says, well, what you should do, rather than start parking over here where the cameras would be on your truck, just stay parking in your regular spot that you always park in and climb up on the roof there and move that camera adjust it so that it's always facing your truck and the guy said oh good idea i don't want my car to get <laughs> stolen or vandalized it's my pride and joy you think it'd be a, like a fenced in yard though uh i believe it was so alan's got the keys <laughs> he's got the keys to everything no i know but that guy like oh still yeah that guy's an idiot but <laughs> why Not... this a fenced yard no offense to him but yeah, I'm sure the employee parking in an armored car depot... That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> ...probably inside the fence. <laughs> but I guess he's so proud of his truck. Yeah. And if Alan got well, him thinking of, a little paranoid... We're yeah. proud of our car. Yeah, we've got, we've got a vehicle, the first new car for either of us, so I would park it inside a fence with a camera on it. Well, yeah. A locked fence, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let some guy talk me into moving it or nothing, either. <laughs> I would think he's up to something then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, park it over here. Why? What are you going to do? So that he got that guy to move that camera and essentially create a blind spot that they could exploit mm-hmm. and approach the building without being seen. But, you know, I said Alan was a, uh, a bit of a prankster. 
Right. Apparently his goofing around had been on management's radar. So he did a bit too much. Yeah, he went a little too far. The employers didn't take kindly to this kind of behavior. I guess as a joke, he removed one of the headlights from one of the armored trucks. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. read that. Yeah, that was, that, that was okay. the prank that got him in trouble. I was about to ask, what kind of pranks? <laughs> like, you know, it's not a kick me sign on someone's back, but right. what could possibly be funnier than driving down the road, That's turning your headlights stupid. on, and realizing you only have one? Well, that's kind of dumb. I think that's what everyone thought, which is why it became a problem. He, yeah, it was one of those things. He probably thought it was hilarious, but it didn't. Uh, execution went, wasn't done correctly. Why? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why is that? I don't understand. Like, you do the classic trick of finding a dead skunk and putting it in someone's back seat. That's <laughs> now salt that's a and goof. sugar for the coffee. <laughs> like you're gonna go old yeah. school. <laughs> Mix up or, the you know, the lid that's, you know, it's a little loose, so it just dumps into your coffee. Too yeah. much sugar. Offer to make the coffee from now on, switch it out with decaf, and then once everyone at work is over their caffeine addiction, espresso. <laughs> After like three weeks of doing that, jam them up with espresso. Wow, you're devious. <laughs> Bouncing off the walls. Don't do that here at home. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll know if there's caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, his, uh, he's planning the heist of the century, mm-hmm. and he still decides, I guess to keep up appearances, all right, I'm going to goof around and take a headlight off a truck. And he just left it laying there. It's not like he stole it. Yeah. I it mean, it's like probably expensive, too. Headlight. Yeah, it's an armored truck, so it's you know, probably... Because, you know, on regular cars, it's expensive. Like, don't tamper with anything. You're not the mechanic. Right. Don't turn any screws... If something falls off, it's your fault. At least it wasn't brakes. Yeah. Now, now there's a prank. That's the joke of the year. Just hey, man, I took the brakes off your car. That's great. Just plow into the bank. Yeah, we're going downhill at we're 70 here. miles an hour. So. Hey, I guess the headlight's innocent enough, right? Yeah, in retrospect. But. He could have, he could have done something truly foolish. True, but it like did still get him in trouble. Rob the place. Oh, yeah. So his tomfoolery was caught on camera, and September 11th, 1997, he got a call from management saying, look, your shenanigans have no place in the armored cash transport business, so when you come in tomorrow, turn in your keys, you're fired. Well, if he doesn't have his keys to get inside the lot, and inside the fence, and into the building... He can't pull off his... Plan. Right. The whole thing's blown. So whether they were ready or not, he calls up the uh, Pace 6, as I call them. <laughs> like Ocean's Eleven? Just like that, yes. Yeah. But they're missing like five guys. Yeah. No, six is probably enough. I guess. I mean, spoiler alert, it was enough. True. <laughs> so he calls up the boys, and they make their move that night, just after midnight on September 12th. 1997. And if you want to know exactly how it goes, you'll have to join us for part two, coming quite soon. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Stay safe. And goodbye.